What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Track Podcast. For the month of January, we are posting an episode every single day at 6 a.m. Central Time. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and review and rate the Budget Track Podcast. That would be very much appreciated. And before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. Social X is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures through weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing events all over the country. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I'm the host of the Budget Trek Podcast, and today we have a very, very special interview. He is the host of the Millennial Manhood Podcast. He resides here in Nashville, Tennessee with me, Mr. Yavitsa Djurjevic. What's up, man? What's up, Brady? How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, my man. So I know a few months back, I was actually on your podcast. Mm -hmm. That was actually my first ever time being an interviewee. So I know you know a little bit about my story. To start out our interview, I know there's a lot to your story and I want to get into it, but I always ask this first question. What is the dumbest thing you've ever purchased? <laughs> All right. So this isn't some extravagant thing. This is more so just a practical whoopsie. When I first got into the business world, when I graduated college, I needed to get an iPad. I really wanted an iPad for business and I could afford it. I had the money, whatever, but I went to Best Buy and I bought it. I, I paid for half of it down. And then I financed the rest of it because it was 12 months free financing and I wanted to build my credit. And I was like, look, I'm just going to put this on auto draft. I'm just going to run with it. You know, they gave me the Best Buy credit card. I chopped it up afterwards because I said, I don't need a Best Buy card. I just need something on my credit. So I bought an iPad. It was like, I don't know, it, it was probably like $400 finance or something like that. I think I had a $50 a month or $60 a month, something like that auto draft set up. You know, I just go on my merry way. I don't even pay attention to it. I just know it's coming out every month. It's supposed to be paid off at some point. Well, what happened in the meantime was Best Buy sold their uh, credit card division to like Citibank or somebody else. Well, what happened was when they sold it, you had to get a new account for like your login and things like that. And it kicked your automatic draft off. So it stopped drafting my payments. You know, I guess, I don't know, a year goes by. Again, I'm not paying attention to it because it was just such a small sum of money. And I right. think part of me, one, I was like 22, so I just didn't think about it. But two, because I had the money to buy it. It's not like, it's not like I bought a fridge, like a washer and a dryer and you know, a bunch of other crap for five grand. It was a small purchase, so it just wasn't top of mind. I started getting these calls from debt collectors. I'm like, who in the hell? Why, what are you talking about? Because they can't pronounce my name. They're like, is Jovica the I'm like, well, who are you? They're like, well, we're from Prime Credit Recovery. I'm like, no, hang up. And I just hang up on them over and over again until finally I was like, let me like get a Credit Karma account. I pull up my credit card. I'm like, holy crap, there's a, <laughs> there, there's a collection on my credit for like, it was like a hundred, it wasn't even a hundred bucks. It was less than a hundred bucks for what the original collection was for. It was probably like $95 if I remember, something like that. And then all the other fees they had tacked on, what they were trying to collect from me was like $450. I remember this like I was yesterday. It was 2013. I was in Chicago, driving through Chicago, and they call me again. 
and I pick up the phone and they're like, you know, we're blah, blah, blah with credit agency. I'm like, Hey, I know who you are. Here's the deal. I'll give you 25 bucks. Take it off my credit. Don't ever call me again. Deal. They're like, well, we can't do that. I was like, well, then you can just leave it on my credit and I'll just stop calling me. Well, we'd go back and forth, back and forth. We end up settling on 50 bucks. I pay them 50 bucks and they did take it off my credit. <laughs> so that's a key right there. So here's what yeah. you have to understand about credit collection agencies. The bank that originally owned it, which the only reason I fought so hard is because I was angry that nobody notified me that the bank had changed. Right. I got no letters, no calls, no nothing. I checked my emails. I've never deleted an email in my, in my life. They all just get archived. Never got an email. What happens is, when the bank gets rid of your debt, they sell it to a collection agency for less than what your debt is. And now the collection agency is trying to get a, a delta, a profit off of what, and they buy them in bulk. So I knew, the, I knew they bought it for less than what I owed. So I said, I'll pay you 50 bucks for it, which is what I assumed they bought my debt for anyway. And they took it off my credit. So moral of the story, don't finance stupid crap. Even if you want to build credit, <laughs> go buy a car or something. I remember when I first got a credit card, I financed a MacBook and I was in college. So I didn't really understand how all that worked. I was mm-hmm. just like, it's a credit card. I was like, mom, let me do it. It's money. Just let me, I just need a new laptop. Mm-hmm. It probably took me about four years to finally get that credit card paid off. Because <laughs> the interest started kicking in after Exactly. That. And the minimum payment's like $25. And I'm like, $25 a month, that's nothing. Well, also fun fact, if you, uh, if you miss a payment, all the interest kicks in retroactively. Mm-hmm. So you don't get 0% interest anymore. And they go back on all the months that you were already on there and they tack the interest on there with it. Yeah. I was just stupid. I didn't know. And like now I have multiple credit cards, but like I've talked about in previous episodes, like I'm, I'm still learning how to manage all that myself mm-hmm. efficiently. But in my opinion, you know, going back to this is like, they don't teach you how to manage all that stuff correctly in school. So well, I no. think that, school- that that was my, you know, shortcoming of, like, I don't even know what this is. As far as I know, there was just free money that I got to pay for something and to have a minimum payment. That's it. Well, yeah. So, and, and, to, and to talk about what you just said, they don't teach you about this in school. It's because school's not designed to create functioning human beings. School's designed to create little worker bees. Yeah. Okay? The whole purpose of the Prussian educational system, which our educational system is based on, is not to create entrepreneurs and free thinkers. It's to create factory workers. And that's what it was designed for in the late 1700s. Yeah. And you got to think about how how much that hasn't progressed over time. Because just like you said, 1700s, I mean, there's got to be a really dumb reason why you learn history like 10 times that doesn't carry over to anything, you know, or science or English or stuff like that. Why are you repeating learning stuff and you're paying to learn it when you get to the college level when it's like, hey, I actually really need to know about taxes. I need to know about credit. I need to know about what is insurance? Do I need it? Does it make sense for me? That's the stuff that should be taught. But just like you said, school is not designed to actually help people in that respect. It helps people in some ways, but not in that respect. And along with that, that hasn't changed. I actually just saw an article about it is uh, like the working hours, five, eight hour days. And there's actually countries experimenting. Also from Prussia. Yeah. We inherited <laughs> that from them as well. But the retirement system. They're... I think it's Finland is experimenting with four working days. Yeah, I saw that. Six hours long. Mm-hmm. So, and then Microsoft experimented with four hour work or four work days and uh, productivity shot through the roof. So I just think if we can move towards more efficient things that are actually with today's times, I think everyone would be a lot better off. 
Well, but that's what this podcast is. Let, let's take it even a step further. You use the example of history and everybody knows that knows me or listens to my podcast knows that I'm a huge history buff. It's my favorite topic. Right. But you don't learn history in school. You learn propaganda. Right. Okay. You learn the story that somebody decided you need to know. Again, for you to become a nice little worker bee, to live your life in scarcity and, uh, and scrimping away for some mythical retirement that's supposed to happen when you're 65, when you're going through kidney failure and you can't enjoy life. Okay. That, that's what happens because that's the simplest way to organize a society. But what's happened with the internet revolution, with podcasts, with online education, I mean, think about it. You can learn anything on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. You want to go learn how to play the piano? I guarantee you it wouldn't take you 30 seconds to find an entire piano lesson, like multiple episodes. Oh, yeah. That would, that would have cost $50, a session yep. 10 years ago. So that's the revolution, this kind of stuff. And, and people are capitalizing on the information that's on YouTube by creating courses and consolidating that information and saving people time. So it's like, yep. hey, you know, I'm going to put all 10 videos of a piano lesson into one course and sell it to you for $1,000. Or you can spend, you know, a week searching through the videos, finding out what you really need to know. And yep. I think that's where everything's moving is, is digitally. But mm -hmm. of course you've got to get everyone else involved, the government to actually mandate that in the school systems and whatnot. So with history, cause this is a question I've always had and it has nothing to do with the podcast, but the citizenship test. Mm -hmm. So you were not born in America. What was it? Where were you born? So I was born in what at the time was Yugoslavia. Uh, okay. It is present day Bosnia. So anybody who knows anything about the nineties and the former Yugoslavia, a lot of unfortunate tragic events happened in the collapse of what was communist Yugoslavia, uh, basically a decade of very, very bloody civil wars. And my family, we are, we are native Bosnians. We are ethnic Serbs from Bosnia. We were refugees in Germany for seven years. And then we came to the States, uh, March 16th, 2000. So this March will be 20 years. So yeah, awesome, I became that's a citizen awesome. in July of 2011. Wow. And that's the thing. So I I've seen videos and articles of mm -hmm. that Americans couldn't actually pass it. Probably not. And I agree with that because I, I'm not a big history buff like you. If you were to give me that test, I would probably fail it. And it's crazy to me how difficult the test is. And you're expecting people who are not from this country to pass it. Now, just me speaking, I agree that people should come into the country legally and do their own thing that way. Mm -hmm. But putting up that barrier with the test and making it so difficult makes no sense to me. Here's the thing, though. So I know a lot of foreigners, whether they're you know, Yugoslavians or former Yugoslavians like myself or Kenyans, Vietnamese, a lot of Hispanics. I mean, I grew up in, you know, in a community when we came to America, it was basically the ghettos. I mean, you know, you walk down the street and junkies are stopping you in the street and that's where refugees get put. That's right. fine. Like that's life. I have never met somebody who's failed that test. Really? Not once. Not, not, I mean, people who barely can communicate in English because they prepare for it. Mm -hmm. So I remember in seventh grade, we took a practice test. The entire class and the two highest grades were myself and a hispanic guy i think really? it was mexican don't, don't quote <laughs> me on this armando if you're listening if you're a guatemalan i'm sorry but i'm pretty sure you're mexican um and and it was just a matter of like it's not hard it's just a matter of prepare for it they actually i don't know if i'm supposed to say this but they actually stopped my test halfway through and they were like yeah you're you're obviously fine because <laughs> it's also an English proficiency test. They're like, yeah, right. you're, you're good. I was like, you're good. Yeah, dude, I got a four in college. I'm good. <laughs> so did you have to take that test before you officially became a citizen of the U S yeah, it's a, it's a process. So you obviously fill out the forms. 
and pay a crap ton of money. I mean, it's like two, two grand ish, if I remember correctly for the entire process, all the forms, then you have all these interviews that you go to. But again, the interviews, it's some guy sitting in an office with you being like, all right, how many senators are there? A lot of it is conversational because they just want you to show proficiency in, in English and to be able to communicate. Right. Um, so yeah, like I said, I've never actually met anybody who has failed that test ever. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I would fail it just to be quite honest. <laughs> you probably would because if you're not prepared, but I guarantee you, if you give yourself a week, you'd pass it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I, I want to dive into this too, because I think it's interesting talking about the finances between countries. Mm -hmm. So how different is it in your native country, you know, financially speaking, than it is in the U.S.? Americans are incredibly lucky and you have no idea how lucky you are. Like I've traveled a lot of different places. This is the best place on earth to build wealth. It is the wealthiest middle class on earth. Stop complaining about living in America. It's incredible here. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of complaining going on, especially with the minimum wage talk and all that, but it's easily done to create wealth here, right? Correct. So if you're in you know, a country such as the one you were born in, is it just more difficult or do they not let you do it or how does that work? Correct. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say you want to open up a business. You have the benefit in the United States and there's a reason that foreigners come to America and just kill it financially. I mean, think about it. Every Arab you know like owns three falafel shops, two liquor stores, and a gas station. And you know, you meet a Greek guy. You know, I'm an Orthodox Christian, so there's a lot of immigrants in that church in that community. But you'll see a guy walking. He's 68, coming out of a 2003 Camry. That guy probably has three million dollars in his checking account just for fun, okay? <laughs> because they they come here and they're finally able to create businesses and create value. Because all money is is just a representation of the value you've created. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. I'll give you an example. You want to open up a business in Bosnia. Well, the corruption is so incredibly entrenched into that system after this whole war ordeal because the country went into chaos that you're going to have to pay off the police. You're going to have to pay off local municipalities. You're going to have to pay off the the equivalent of the state. You're going to have to pay off the equivalent of the federal government. I mean, there's a layer of corruption every single way along the way that their only objective is me, me, me. There's no focus on value creation. There's no focus on the greater good. And there's no accountability within the system to where you're going to be bankrupted before you ever open up that store. You know, you don't really have to worry about this in Bosnia, but in other countries, you have to worry about hyperinflation. You have to worry about, or even, we're not even talking about, let's talk about first world countries. Let's talk about Australia. I had a gentleman on my podcast who ran a company where the Australian dollar was deflated relative to the American dollar. And that plummeted his company because all of his inventory was held and bought in US dollars. Okay. You don't have to worry about that in the United States because we are the giant. You know who the mob boss is showing up asking for money? That's us. So you live in an environment here where when you sue somebody, you're actually going to get a trial. If somebody tries to extort you, you can actually report them and send them to jail. You can't get away with corruption the same way. You've got a legal system where you won't get screwed as long as you play within certain boundaries because we as a society have agreed to trust each other. And that's incredibly unique and Americans don't understand how unique that is. Yeah, I definitely think the American dream is a real thing. And even though people on social media say it's dying, I don't believe that. Media. (laughs) Exactly. They have a damn phone. Exactly. Beating about how it's dying. Give me a break. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, 
it is so easy nowadays to make money online. Yes. Think about that. You, you can have a phone. Okay. For instance, Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, mm-hmm. worth like $12 billion. Article mm-hmm. came out that he doesn't use a computer on a daily basis. Literally does his whole business through his phone. That's it. Yeah, I believe it. The fact that he is a billionaire and can continue to generate revenue for his company using a phone where other countries don't even, I've never seen a phone before. And people come over here and say, the American dream's dead. I deserve more money. Me, 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 me. It's like, you don't know how, how easy you have. It's so easy to make money nowadays if you can provide value. Yeah. If you can figure well, out what is the value I can bring to the table, people will pay you for that. Correct. And, and the beauty of the internet, even for countries that are not in the same position as the United States, is that the internet has stolen a monopoly of ideas. It's opened up the floodgates to a lot of different people, to a lot of different ideas that they may have never been exposed to. Right. You know, being able to start thinking differently. How do I get my money to work for me? How do I get instead of me working for my money, how do I get to enjoy my life now instead of waiting until I'm 67 uh, or 68 and then I'm magically walking um, on a beach somewhere enjoying my retirement? Like every freaking investment commercial shows you. Well, the reason they're showing <laughs> you that commercial is because they want your money so they can charge the fees and they want exactly. it for as long as possible. Exactly. Okay? That's why. Like, <laughs> so it, it's about taking responsibility and taking, taking control of your life especially when you're blessed enough and lucky enough to live in the United States that it is, you are so lucky to live in the United States. Yeah. I'm glad you're on the podcast because you can actually speak from experience seeing all this firsthand. Whereas, you know, all I can talk about is articles. And of course that's propaganda. That's just what the media wants you to hear. I I think it's really interesting because I was telling a a individual I interviewed the other day, how easy it is for people nowadays to actually have a voice. Mm -hmm. So I feel like even 10 years ago, I mean, podcasts were kind of a thing 10 years ago, but if you weren't a celebrity, if you weren't a pro athlete, if you weren't a politician, you didn't have a voice. It didn't matter what you thought. Correct. But now with the birth of social media and podcasts is essentially individuals own media company, mm-hmm. it's your own newsroom. Yep. Everyone has a voice and everybody's listening to different podcasts and taking different things from it. And like, that's what I mean when I say the American dream, it is allowing literally anyone in this world to make money, have a voice, get famous, whatever. It's all online. It's all in your hands. And like, when you say you're so lucky, like that's what you mean is that everything is right here. If people in third world countries want to get to that level, they probably have to come to the U S well, and you know, like I said, there is a rising tide lifts all boats. So in my opinion, the rest of the world, especially, you know, Western Europe, your, your lifestyle is relatively similar to the United States. However, your opportunities are still not similar. Right. I lived in Germany for seven years. I've got tons of family in Germany. I've traveled all over Western Europe, Ireland, Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, you name it, been there. Um, you do not have the same business opportunities. I literally had a two-hour conversation with a gentleman who's in commercial real estate in Belgium. And he was bitching and complaining to me about how difficult their system is and how he wishes he could do that in America. Okay. So uh, there is that, that American ethos. Just let me be and let me live my dream is so powerful and so wonderful. I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. Let's go create value for others. But it, to, to add to your point of podcast, what I think is so powerful there, unlike the BS of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, which requires no effort whatsoever besides using your thumbs for so many characters. And it doesn't and have to be real either on Instagram. 
Correct. It's definitely not real on Instagram. Yeah. A podcast takes a ton of time. So the quality of material being released is incredible. I mean, think about how much difficulty you and I have had just scheduling this. Yeah, this is what, the fourth time we had to reschedule? (laughs) Correct. The podcast space, in my opinion, is, I mean, it's it's the true frontier because it is the antidote to the constant lies we are bombarded with by the corporate media Mm -hmm. because they have a strict agenda and they're shoving something down your throat. The question is not if it's false, but how false it is on any side of the spectrum. This is not a light right. This is not a left right thing. This is a corporate everywhere. Correct. You're being manipulated as soon as you listen to anything that's owned by a large corporation because somebody is making money off of you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is fine. It's called capitalism. You just have to be smart enough to understand that you're being, you're being used. So I'll give you a, 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 an example from, from something my father-in-law told me a couple of weeks ago. So we were on our way to buy my mother-in-law a gift and him and I were having a conversation. He said, you know, when a newspaper, that meant uh, being an informed citizen, it was your obligation to read the newspaper. And I looked at him and I said, so who do you think told you that was your obligation? And he said, the damn newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, you know, it was like, t- talk about creating a, a, a force of consumers. It is, your, it is your duty as an American citizen to be informed. It doesn't matter that you're misinformed, but you need to be informed. And the way to be informed is to read the newspaper. So you got to keep buying the newspaper, right? It's ridiculous. I, mean, think about it. I, I interviewed someone on my podcast. I was probably about two months ago. And he has a uh, top 100 business podcast. Mm-hmm. But he posted something today saying, all of his news consumption comes from podcasts now. Yeah, because I believe it. Pe- people are, you know, making their own podcasts. They have their own voice and they're trying to break that barrier and be neutral. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, if you can just go through it to a neutral source, you could probably get better information. And I'm like you, like, I'm, it's not left or right because both sides fabricate the information or misinterpret the information to you. And it, it causes a lot of issues because then you see it on social media, you got people arguing and I'm just, you know, coming back and I'm like, I saw something completely different than what y'all are arguing about. So what does that say about any of the information we have and are arguing about? It doesn't make any sense. Well, and it's, let's bring it back to money because this, this is a finance related podcast. You know, in my own personal experience, so let's, let's say we talk about income inequality and I'm reading some article on the Washington Post and I look up the author and it's some waspy Connecticut kid who went to private school their entire life. You know what? That person has never been poor. Okay, I can almost guarantee you, but they're writing about income inequality and, uh, and the plight of the poor. Now, I'm not talking about income inequality in my podcast, not necessarily as a topic base, but you know what I've been on? Food stamps. You know what I've had? My apartment complex shot up, shot up when I was a kid. You know what I've had? Free meals at school. Okay. Um, you know what I've had? My entire family's apartment furnished by the Catholic Charities of West Tennessee, who's a, which is a fantastic organization. I've been taken uh, with my family on a, on a basically a, a, a one of those big big white church fans to go get immunizations and get our taxes done and things like that. And I've seen the most beautiful charity of people. You know what else I've seen? A lot of immigrants, a lot of Nigerians who crush it in America. Nigerians oh, yeah. in particular go and kill it. Okay, a lot of Vietnamese, a lot of Mexicans, a lot of Eastern Europeans, a lot of Middle Eastern Easterners. I've been entrenched in those communities in one way or another. And you know what I see? People who are hungry to go out there and get it. 
okay? We, either via starting businesses or education or whatever it may be. You know what? You know what I don't see? A bunch of helpless little uh, 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 imbeciles that need to be saved by the, the elite of the United States. That's not what I see. Yeah. You know, but you read these articles and I'm like, dude, I can't even take you seriously. How am I supposed to take you seriously when you're speaking on a topic that you can't relate to? And I don't think there's anything wrong with going to a prep school in Connecticut. That's totally fine. I have zero issues with that. If you've got the money to do it and that's something you want to do, God bless you. But don't come here talking to me about a topic that you can't even remotely explain to me. Yeah. That's been a huge thing for my podcast because, you know, it started as me and my wife being in debt, but Mm -hmm. further and beyond that is just struggles. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my podcast episodes, both solo and with guests, talk about struggles and I talk about things I'm experiencing, credit cards, debt, auto loans, budgeting, expenses, stuff like that, because it, it resonates with me. It's real. And the fact of the matter is when someone asks me a question about any of those topics, I can answer it truly from my heart. Yeah. But if someone asks me a questions like, what should I spend my million dollars on? Or I'm on food stamps. What do I do? Like, I, I can't resonate with that. That's never happened to me. Yeah. I can, I can try my best and I can, I can approach it from a, you know, sympathetic perspective, but I'm not empathetic in that perspective. So yeah. like if someone came to you and said, you know, I'm on food stamps, like, what do I do? How, how do I get out of this? You know, my emotions are just going downhill. I'm depressed. You'd say, this is what I did. Well, I would tell them, here's my dad's number because I was yeah. a child. <laughs> but, but it means more, right? Yeah. It means a lot more. Well, you know what would happen? So again, this is my shameless plug for the Catholic charities, wherever you live. I think they're, I'm not Catholic, but I think they're a incredible organization. So I've done some volunteer work for them and I would do these mock interviews with refugees. And, you know, I would show up from work in a suit to these interviews and, you know, I'm European, so I'm a white guy. They don't know that I'm, you know, foreign. And uh, it was typically either North Africans at the time or Central Americans. And they would always have a translator with them. And the first thing I would always say is I would tell them just a brief bit about my story and explain to them like, hey, I was a refugee. I went to this same exact mock interview with my parents to help translate. And you would see them relax immediately. Mm -hmm. This one lady started crying. And she was like, God bless you. Thank you for having people like you. I'm like, whoa, 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 calm down. I'm not like, it's not like I'm Mother Teresa. I'm literally just here for like 45 minutes helping out with this. Um, but yeah, there is a human connection to that, that with social media and the Twitter warriors and all this other nonsense that we've lost. We don't, ha- we don't debate in the public square anymore because we don't have to defend our ideas because everything we put out there, we put out into an echo chamber for the people that already agree with us. So then we feel high and mighty and we can demonize whoever we want to. There's no consequence to saying so-and-so is a liar because 150 years ago, if you said so-and-so is a liar, so-and-so might show up to you and say, all right, you called me a liar. What's the deal? That's not a consequence. And that's kind of where the whole personal responsibility thing comes back into play. Yeah. With the discussion that's really being held in the public forum per se around what direction do we want our country to go into, et cetera. You know, personal responsibility is really put on the back burner, and that is the backbone of the American dream. That's the backbone of Western society, personal Mm -hmm. responsibility. I am responsible for my actions. I take responsibility for my actions. I dictate my own life. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody, like I don't believe the whole pull yourself up by the bootstraps bullcrap. Look, some poor kid 
born to a single mom in the ghettos of Atlanta has a very different starting point. Mm-hmm. Then again, I'll use the, the, the waspy prep school kid from Connecticut. Okay. Those are not two starting points that are the same. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that both of them don't have the personal responsibility to reach their maximum personal potential. Right. And that does not mean that the poor kid from the ghetto in Atlanta doesn't have the potential to outperform the waspy Connecticut kid. However, it does mean that they do start from two very, very different points. And that what we should be, in my opinion, looking for as a country is incentivizing people to help them to take personal responsibility within their individual circumstances to reach their potential. Does that mean having certain social programs? Sure. Does that mean that we should disincentivize other groups over, of, over other ones? No. And we sure shit shouldn't demonize them. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed yeah, to cuss. Yeah, you can cuss. I don't care. All right. And we sure as shit should not demonize other people. <laughs> how about that? Okay. How about, how about we use logic? Okay. Life is not some Disney movie where you've got an evil character and a good character. Okay. Life is messy. Life is complicated. Human beings are complicated. Okay. The decisions we make are complicated. Stop being an ass and actually sit down and listen to somebody. Yeah. And try to learn from them. You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, you see a lot of these people who, who never finished school, mm-hmm. didn't even finish high school, and they're mm-hmm. you know, mega successful now. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, society deemed them worthless. Correct. You don't finish school. What are you going to do with your life? And we, it comes back to the system. They want to put you through the system that benefits them. Correct. And when you go off and have a logic and see that I can do more with my life than what school can offer me, Skipping school is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors, lawyers, you name it, people have to go to school. Yeah, you need a technical skill. Exactly. And some people are more skilled than others earlier on. It just depends. Everybody's different. Everybody's journey is different, just like you said. But those people, it's interesting talking to the people that didn't finish school because they just have a completely different outlook on life. Yep. And the, the things they say and their opinions are so logically based, at least the people I've talked to. It's just like the system just screws people, in my opinion. Well, and, and here's the thing when we quote, call it the system, um, we do need some, if we don't have some sort of bedrock or foundation within a society, then we as a society go into chaos. Right. So we do have to have some sort of basically social agreement on certain things. Mm-hmm. The problem is that our social agreement has been corrupted. Um, because nothing is intended to teach you how to think. Okay. So what probably happens with a lot of those people and not all of them, but a lot of those people who drop out of school, they have to learn how to think for themselves quicker. Whereas maybe the person who went to college just got indoctrinated for four more years or five more years. Right. Right. Okay. They, a lot of people never get to the point where they can step away and actually think Mm -hmm. college should be teaching you how to think. In whatever yeah. discipline you're in, it should help you how to think, which is something that we're ignoring because we take things at face value and we do everything against our own self-interest. And, you know, you, you've, got, you've got things as complicated as our national deficit, for example. And if you, the sad part is if I come across somebody who's a self-identified Republican, I already know how they're going to answer the question. 
the same way that I know if somebody's a self-identified libertarian uh, uh, Democrat, I know exactly how they're going to answer the question around the topic of, for example, the national deficit or pick another topic, the Iraq war or abortion, whatever. If I can predict your answer, it just shows me you never actually thought about your answer. You're, you're getting your answer from what other people say. Correct. It's just being shoved down your throat and you're moving on with your day. And, and that to me is such a sad existence. And yeah. it, it's the, you are the product. You're being sold and you're being sold too. And uh, wake up, start thinking. Yeah. You know, it comes back to uh, financial literacy, you know, with not thinking for yourself. I mean, I know a few individuals, I don't know how many you know, that refuse to learn how to figure out their own finances. Mm-hmm. Taxes, my parents do it. Insurance, parents got it. Yep. Auto loan, my parents, yep. paid, my parents paid for the car and I'm just paying them back. It's yep. like, what are you doing? Then? You, they, they are enabling you, first of all. Mm-hmm. And two, I mean, God forbid, what happens if your parents die? I mean, what are you going to do then? You know, the, the, the fact of the matter is that financial literacy is such a scary topic for a lot of people because one, people refuse to listen and figure out like what they need to do themselves. And it's just, it's not taught enough. It's not Mm -hmm. simplified down and dumbed down where people can actually understand. Because in my opinion, I mean, I I, I mentioned this before in other episodes, but I feel like school systems don't really want you to understand all of that. Because if you think about it, let's think about this. And this is just a hot take opinion. Some good old bro science. Yeah, exactly. You're, yeah. you're for the first two years of college, at least me. I'm learning the exact same stuff that I learned in high school, mm-hmm. right? And I'm paying. You're for doing that. gen ed classes, all that crap. I'm paying for that time. Yep. If you ask me right now, anything that I learned, I mean, I'm I'm still pretty newly a new graduate. I graduated almost two years ago. I couldn't tell you anything because it doesn't stick with me. I don't I don't work with that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So if people understood, okay. Maybe, just maybe, if I didn't go to, if I don't know what I want to do, I'm not going to go to college right after school. I'm going to learn and see what actually interests me. And maybe I can learn a a new trade by myself, pay significantly less to learn that trade, generate money. I never had to go to college. Yep. But it's not taught. People groom people in high school to go to college. Yep. If you don't go to college, then like I said before, you're a failure in society. You didn't follow the path that was laid out for you from the beginning. Well, and that's the whole, the thinking behind you've got to follow the crowd. And that's fine. Again, most people are going to follow the crowd and most people are going to live their life that way. And that's totally okay. I'm just not that person. Right. Now, I went to college. Yeah, I did too. College is fine, but it's not for everyone. I enjoyed college. Yeah. I enjoyed college, but I wish we had trade schools. I probably wouldn't have gone to a trade school. I probably still would have gone to college because those are my interests. I'm a, I'm a double major. I, f- I finished school in four years, double majored in economics and political science. Okay. Economics was my hard major. Political science was my, um, you know, I thought I wanted to go to law school major. Right. And, um, you know, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. It definitely helped me think a different way, but I wish we could have trade schools where people at 16, 17 could decide, hey, I want to be a mason or I want to be, a, I don't know, plumber, whatever. I don't care. There's a certain level of pride of being an expert in a specific field. Mm-hmm. You are not less than because you lay bricks for a living. That's really freaking hard. And I want people who are really freaking good at it. 
and people look at it as, well, if I do a trade, I'm not going to make as much money. I'm like, okay, listen, a lot of people in trade school that, you know, are plumbers, lay bricks, stuff like that, they make probably more money than entry level, you know, financial analysts or people who are going to these corporate jobs. So I, I think people just don't really understand it because it's not taught. Dude, I want you to think about this. So let's use actual examples. I'm very big on investing in real estate. Yeah. So that's, that's my uh, love language as my wife would call it. So let's use an example. So let's say you go to trade school, you start at 18 and for, while, the, while the other person is working for four years um, or going to school for four years, going in debt or paying for it or whatever, they're not, they don't have the earning potential. You save up $16,000 every single year while you're in uh, trade school. Let's say you're making, I don't know, 40 grand a year or while you're doing your trade, you're making 40 grand a year, you save up 16. You use that 16 grand to buy a $78,000 house in either Huntsville or Memphis um, as your down payment. That $78,000 house, and I'm being kind of high on the prices. So realistically, we're looking at a $70,000 house, but $78,000 house, um, and this is a real number of a property I just looked at, um, all in with property management company, insurance, taxes, mortgage, principal interest is going to cost you roughly $550 a month. That house can be rented for $950 a month. Okay. That's with somebody else managing your property. I want you to think about that. Yeah. Okay. Now you got $4,800 coming in every single year. You do the same thing year two, year three, year four. Okay. Well, now you've magically just created almost 20 grand of additional income on top of your trade income. And that's assuming you just buy one property a year and cash flow just those. Okay. So I want people to stop thinking that your job is going to make you wealthy or make you money. Your job is not going to make you money. You mm -hmm. should not. Here's a principle. You should not live off of the money you earn from your job. That should not be what you live off of. The money from your job should exclusively be money that you reposition into assets that pull that create cash flow for you. You should be living off of money that's passively earned off of other assets. Mm -hmm. your, your actively earned money should exclusively be used for repositioning into passive, into passive income. Because that's how you actually attain financial freedom right Correct. there. And Economic I'm, independence. And, and I, I preach this too, and I've said it before because this podcast is about financial freedom. Financial freedom is about passive income. Correct. Right? Cash and, flow. And working for your money to job is not passive income. Nope. That's so active How do you income. get passive income? Real estate, dividend stocks. There's so many different areas. You just have to find your thing and find out yeah. how, how am I going to generate that? But the fact of the matter is I did not know what passive income was until I graduated from college. I might be different. Everyone learns it probably at a different age, but why do they not teach you before? Why do they not teach you in high school? What is passive income? This is how you can attain passive income. You know, maybe you shouldn't go to college. If you want to do real estate, go to be a real estate agent, go do this, go do that. It's a system. Yeah. And it's a path that's already been laid out that you're supposed to follow. Correct. So economic independence is attained when your passive income outweighs or is greater than your uh, monthly expenses. Right. Okay? That's when you've got economic independence. So I'm a big book reader. My goal this year is 24 books read this year. Mine's 52. Um, Just going to plug that in there. Wow. Okay, then. <laughs> Try a little. I've already read one. I've already read one. I started thinking grow rich today. Mm. So 
That's a good book. Brady Morgan yeah. with the try hard. Um, Just wanted to really plug that in. I actually read 36 uh, last year too. So Wow. Okay. So here, here's some books that all the millionaires in my life that are personal mentors of mine have told me to read. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the number one book everybody always tells yep. me to read. Yeah. And here's, here's what happens when you Google Rich Dad, Poor Dad. All these jackasses on the internet who've got something to sell you tell you it's a terrible piece of advice. It's not meant to be taken as literal advice. It's an allegory to change your thinking, you dumbass. Okay. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what the rich dad, poor dad is. Bah. It's like, it's like, well, this is terrible advice. Well, no shit. It was written in 1996. What the hell do you think? What do you think 24 years later it's going to be from a, from a practicality standpoint? It's about mindset. Go read rich dad, poor dad. Number two, killing sacred cows by Garrett Gunderson is a fantastic read. I'll write that down. Okay. Uh, five day weekend by Nick Halick is a, is a wonderful read. I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff that I did not prepare for, for this podcast, but Start with Rich Dad, Poor Dad and work your way from there. Yeah. So I actually got that book for Christmas. It's sitting on my shelf. It's going to be the next one I read. But the, the fact that, you know, you, you go back to books, it's like, you're right. The information you want to learn is in those books. It's self-education. Yeah. yeah and, and take what you want and leave what you don't. Yeah. And, you know, another issue with society, which we don't have the time to go into, is when people graduate college, they stop learning. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. Learning has just begun. At that yeah, point. you've got your whole life ahead of exactly. you. Exactly. And I think people think, you know, the accounting I learned in college 30 years ago, it's still what I'm doing today. It's like, no, you're not. A lot has yeah. changed since then. <laughs> and you're using different systems, different methods, and that's just accounting. What else has changed? Think about doctors. If they did surgery the same way that they did it 100 years ago. They'd be sawing your leg off. Exactly. And they'd say, you would go in there with an infection and say, all right, you're dead. Just put them down. Yeah, put some <laughs> leeches on them. Yeah. Like, yeah, hold this rag. <laughs> yeah, hold this rag. It, it's it, when you graduate college or high school or when you stop going to school altogether, the learning in my opinion has just begun. You have to continue to educate yourself because the fact of the matter is if you go to school and school is not a bad thing, I went to school, people are teaching you, but it's significantly harder to teach yourself because you have to actually put the time in and actually be dedicated to it. I think people have skin in the game when they go to college because and, and they learn better, I, I would say, because they're paying for it. They're like, I'm paying for this. I have to learn. I have to get my parents' money worth or my money worth or my loan's money worth, whatever. Dude, I know a lot of people in college didn't learn a damn thing. Yeah, I didn't. I don't <laughs> use anything that I learned in college. But I went, and it was a good yeah. experience. But It's a buffer between you and the real world, basically. Exactly. Like high school, you and real world. Exactly. And I just think self-education is so key in taking it to the next level. And, you know, I've talked to individuals you know, they want to be millionaires. They want to start this business and I give them books. It's like, Hey, read this. Do you read? And they're like, no, are you kidding it me? Blows my mind. <laughs> reading. Well, like I don't, I used to hate reading because I was reading what the school wanted me to read. Yeah. Right. But now that I'm reading stuff that actually interests me, I'm like, man, I can't get enough of it. 52 cool. books in a year. I probably read 52 books my whole life, including the 36 books I read last year. So that it's just crazy. If you just try it, you might actually enjoy it. Well, so I read this online. It's a study, but I don't know how accurate it is. But at least the study said 42% of people, once they graduate college, will never read another book again. Yeah, I believe it. That's mind-boggling. I believe it. it. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's me on a, on a, I know we're running up on time. Hopefully, I didn't just like hijack your podcast. No, you're good. Well, what I got from this episode is that society has a path. Books are important. We're lucky. It's hard to do things in other countries. I think I mm -hmm. summed it up. 
That was pretty good. <laughs> pretty well. So yeah, I like it. It's weird being on this side of the interview. I know. I know. Have you done podcast interviews before, like on that side? Yeah, I've done a couple. I've done maybe two or three. Um, just uh, it's just nice not having to worry about being the director of the podcast, you know, because you, like when you're interviewing, you got to make sure everything flows and yeah. when they're saying something that it's coming together. And now I just get to talk whenever you take me down a rabbit hole. Because you got a voice. Yeah. <laughs> got a voice. So we're going to wrap this up. I always like to end my podcast with five random questions. All right, go for it. I would say they have nothing to do with this podcast episode, but we talked about a lot. So they yep. might, okay. <laughs> you never know. So question number one, would you rather have a permanent splinter under your big toenail Ooh. or a permanently bad haircut? Oh, splinter on a big toe. Like my hair is the greatest hair you've ever seen. The lifeblood of your business. Yeah. 1000%. My flow's on point like a unicorn. <laughs> would you rather know how you will die or when you will die? Ooh. Mm. Shoot. Uh, probably when. I was going to say that too, because it gives you time. Like, okay, I got, yeah, you know, I got like a hours left. to work with. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, yeah. I got 24 hours left. I'm going to live it up for 24 hours. Yeah. Would you rather invent a new technology or discover a new species? Hmm. Probably discover a new species. I'm not an inventor. Would you rather never stop growing taller or never need to sleep? Never need to sleep. Yeah. I feel like I'm that's six three. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what is your most valuable asset yourself or your time? Oh, myself. Okay. Expand on that. Well, if I invest in myself and I make myself more efficient, I can make time more efficient. Yeah. yeah. That honestly, that's a very split question. It, people it say is. your time and people say yourself, I think it's yourself, but I posted it on Instagram probably like a month ago and it was split. So I was like, yeah. I should probably plug this into the podcast somehow. Yeah, I can see how somebody could say your time. Just to me, that question, I mean, we can go into, that's a philosophical discussion. Yeah, it's philosophical. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to go and wrap up completely. Where can my audience find your podcast and find you on social media? All right. So anywhere where you can find podcasts, uh, obviously Apple Podcasts is the number one platform, but Millennial Manhood. Um, you can also go to mmcip.co. That's where we've got the podcast, the blog. Um, the book club, we do a lot of, uh, this, that's something we've started recently is reviewing books, having conversations around them on the podcast. Um, you can find me under ASAP Yavi on Instagram, ASAP <laughs> underscore J O V I ASAP underscore J O V I always strive and prosper. Thank you. ASAP Rocky. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's basically it. Like I said, if you want to reach out, I'm, I'm more than open to always talk to folks, check out the podcast. I think we've got some cool stuff on there. We've got you know, we put out an episode once a week and uh, the blog's uh, really getting up and running and we'll put some new stuff out there. And then we've got some other podcast ideas for the future. Awesome, man. Yeah, reach out to Yavitsa. Tell him what you thought of the episode. Listen to his podcast. Give him a review. Follow him at ASAP Yavi. Mm-hmm. I like that at name. And we'll catch you next time, guys. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for listening. I'm posting episodes every day in January at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.